Be the right club today. Yeah! Yeah! I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? All right, welcome back, everybody, to the No Laying Up Podcast. I'm your host, Sally. We have our, for the first time ever on the on the podcast. We've been wanting to do this for a while. He is the operations supervisor for The Score, uh, freelance golf writer, and also owner of adamsarson.com. It's Adam Sarson himself. He recovered from this weekend yet. We're recording this on Wednesday night, uh, and uh, it took me a couple days to decompress. How do you you stand after the final round of the PGA? Oh, man, it was was pretty crazy. Um, You know, the the Sunday, I mean, Saturday was great as well but i mean just pretty much as soon as they got out of the delay sunday morning or sunday afternoon actually um it was it was entertaining for the entire what six six seven hours they were on the air uh, i thought it was i thought it was too entertaining i could not like holes <laughs> eight holes eight through 12 i could not keep up between like trying to read twitter phil's draining 30 foot putt ricky's chipping in i could not keep track of the leaderboard because like the PGA tour, like, or whatever website I was on was tracking it was not updating it fast enough because people kept making birdies. And I, I literally found myself like not being able to keep up with all the action. It was incredible. Be- being on Twitter was actually pretty useless at that point. Yeah. because Everyone was, everyone was tweeting the exact same things that were going on and you couldn't, you couldn't keep up. Um, you know what? And the funny thing, it like, it's, it's actually probably, I mean, we can we can get into this whenever, but I mean the the just that Sunday was probably the best day of golf that we've had. In I mean, it might even go back to what 2012 Medina, the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I would say 2013. Just in terms of pure excitement. Yeah, 2013, last year's British Open with Phil. That leaderboard would probably be where yeah. I would cut that off. But um, no, I mean it was kind of like we had this. You know, we talked about it pretty much all year. You and I both had, and we talked about on this podcast. This podcast a lot is we've had this year of just nothing happening for the most part. And it all seemed to happen at once. And I was like, I've always said what's interesting is we've never had a real, a, a Twitter tiger major, you know, he, since he, he won the, I mean, Twitter existed in 08 when he won it, but and won the U S open, but this is as not, close not as we've got. Level. No, not to this level. And this is as close as we've gotten to like a true, I felt like everyone was watching this. Like uh, bacon. And I talked, Last week on the podcast about how I feel like you know we're I, I'm, I struggle to talk with the people that really don't watch golf cause, and that's and that's most people but like people are coming up to me in the office this week you know people I don't usually talk golf about again uh, talking about the PGA it, it it got everyone involved I felt for the most part yeah it, absolutely I mean the the funny thing is that the and I've and I've wrote about this before that the to me the first big time golf event that Twitter kind of took over was that 2012 Ryder Cup where mm-hmm. I was not even like the, the non-golf people that I follow on Twitter were talking about this because I mean I mean part of that too was the absolutely epic collapse that the U.S. team managed to put on out there in Medina but see I'm allowed yeah. to say that I'm allowed to say that I'm American you're Canadian that's like an international war crime I, I, have, I have no rooting interest whatsoever <laughs> in the Ryder Cup and honestly it, it, 
it it feels pretty good to just be able to sit back and, and enjoy just just watching so many great players play, you know, match play. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, for someone that doesn't have a rooting interest, you see, you're the most into the Ryder Cup of anyone I've ever spoken to, to about golf. That's, we'll get we'll talk about the Ryder Cup a little bit earlier, a little bit later. But uh, I, where would you, we got a question? Um, I don't have the name in front of me. That someone wrote into us is where do you, where would you rank the, this this PGA Championship uh, out of the in major championships since the year 2000? What do you think the like the five best majors since there? Where do you think this falls out? Uh, man, yeah. When when I saw that question, it was it was kind of interesting because I know that uh, know that our our good friend Kyle Porter posted something on this this morning, um, or maybe it was yesterday, about the uh, I think he did the top ten majors or something over the last fifteen or twenty years. Um, it's it's tough because I think that you know when you're so fresh off of something, it's it's easy to kind of mm-hmm. easy to kind of place it higher than it probably should be. Yeah. But I mean. Outside of, outside of you know the Open last year with Phil on Sunday, there hasn't been anything at least that I can think of in the last you know probably four or five years that even come close to what we saw on Sunday. No, I, I think 2011 Masters, I, it, it was tough. I, I read Kyle's piece; it was really good, and he he made a lot of good points. Like, how do you really rank it? Is it by excitement? Are we talking like? The quality of the winner, I think, has to has to weigh in a lot. Um, the significance of the event, like the 2000 U.S. Open, Tiger won by 15, but that was so incredibly significant that I would consider that one of the best majors. I don't know how I would fill out my top five, but uh, right. the 2011 Masters is the one we kind of forget just because, I, I'll be completely honest, I'm not sure I'd heard of Charles Wurzel. Like, I was, <laughs> I, I'm just not that good at the international golf scene. I'm not I, – I, I know right. – I know the PGA Tour really well, and I, I, I know I'd heard of Schwartzel. I had no idea he was one of the, whatever, top 50 ranked players in the world that he was at the time, and he came out of nowhere for the last four holes to kind of steal the Masters from Adam Scott and Jason Day. Um, yeah. I, we, if that was Phil or Tiger or, or someone that made that run, we may have that ranked up a lot higher. But um, in terms of excitement, I think you're right. That 2011 Masters, 2013 British, and 2014 PGA, since the 08 U.S. Open, that's easily the, the best three math, uh, majors. I mean, if you if you look back on it too, I mean, the, to kind of go along with your point about Schwartzel, I think a lot of people, myself included, were probably thinking the exact same way when Louis Oosthuizen won at St. Andrews in 2010. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, you you look. It's funny. You, you look back on it now, and obviously Schwartzel and Oosthuizen are you know two of the most recognizable players, at least you know, and I. Um, but uh, let me throw something else at you too. So the the 2009 Open, um, you know, with Stewart Sink basically breaking the hearts of every single golf fan on the planet. Um, like that, like if if you want story, you know, yeah. that that's got to be there too on some level. Yeah, it's just a, it's so bitter. It's kind of like the 2012 Ryder Cup, at least for me. Like it 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 was epic. I mean, the comeback for the the Europeans was epic, but it was crushing. The same way yeah. that the way Watson lost was just crushing. It's not. It's 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 the the story that almost was and not the story that was. It's kind right. of it uh, it just leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. I have a hard time putting it up there. I remember exactly where I was watching it with my dad, and it was I mean it was amazing. It was show stopping, and I couldn't believe that 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 eight iron went long on the final green. But I know um, I was I was sitting at work at the time and not clearly not doing my job at all because <laughs> I was just I was glued to the TV and I was pretty much physically ill for 
you know, at least probably 10 or 15 minutes after after that. Because I mean, once once you saw him miss that miss the putt as well, I mean, he wasn't winning. He, no. he was not winning in the playoff at all. So, that was that was one of the worst pressure putts you'll ever see. I mean, it's, oh it's understanding given the guy's 59 years old when it happened. But um, I mean, I mean, in terms of like some some other ones, like you know, just looking, I'm actually looking at Kyle's piece right now. But like you know, the, the 99 British with Vandevelde, that's that's something. I mean, he listed that in his honorable mentions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 99 PGA too with Sergio with his real run was was fun too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 so it's really is so tough because you know like I, I made an argument a little while ago too that overall the majors that we had last year and if you look at from you know just one through four I mean we we got we were very fortunate oh yeah with what we saw I mean last year's Masters I mean the, the playoff between Scott and Cabrera was incredible yep you know just just watching Cabrera on eighteen after he saw Scott hit that birdie putt. The made birdie, and he just he stuck it within what four feet. Like he, tore, he soft it too. He walked right after it. Was talking to it. I mean that was epic. I mean, it's uh... yeah, exactly. I and mean, you know, and even you know, then obviously we had you know Phil, but before that, I mean, Justin wrote like Marion was great because just being able to watch an open at Marion was was amazing. Um, and then even the PGA, like Duffner, Duffner put on such a ball striking display that week that yep. it was. I mean. At the end, I mean, of course, you know, Jim Furyk, as well, I'm sure we'll get to at some point in this podcast, but Jim Furyk, once again, just, you know, couldn't close another one. But no. We've been lucky the last, I mean, going back all the way, and I don't want to call Ernie a non-worthy champion. Going, like I say, you go all the way back to the 2012 PGA, you look at the class we've had for major winners. It's They've not been the most exciting majors, but it's, there's no Ben Curtis's or Todd Hamilton's in that mix at all. <laughs> And I think, I mean, Ernie kind of stole, not stole it, but he was given it by, by Adam Scott in the 2012 British Open. But you got to go all the way that far back to find someone that's really not a truly elite player. Um, I mean, Keimer's kind of not done, really done much of anything since he won the U.S. Open, but I think we would agree that he put kind of along in that group. But um, it, while it's not been the most exciting, I'm, like, for me personally, like watching Keimer win the U.S. Open by eight, I enjoy that way more than watching uh, Lucas Glover win the U.S. Open by a shot or something like that. Like I don't, like, I'd rather have a worthy champion blow the field away than have some, you know, fluke winner pop up. I don't know. Think about that. Oh no, I, I completely agree. I mean, the, the thing, I, I understand the, I understand why it didn't do very well ratings wise. I mean, you know, we yeah. didn't throw out Donald Trump's completely idiotic ideas about why it didn't do well, but. You know, people people aren't going to want to watch that on a on a general level. But I mean, just watching him hit pretty much every single ball pure on the basically from Thursday to Sunday. Like mm-hmm. he hit what I think he had probably maybe three or four loose loose shots off the you know with with the irons essentially. That, that was about it. I mean, he was he was incredible from start to finish. And, and I mean, the funny yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Lucas Lover thing. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was. Pulling pretty hard for David Duvall that weekend. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was uh, that would have been an incredible story. I was actually what I wanted to talk about next was that a, a tragically underrated major. And I feel like I don't know why people just tend to forget about it because with what was at stake and how it played out, I think it may have been one of the best majors of all time. It's the 2001 Masters. When you think about Tiger coming off 15 shot win at the U.S. Open, 
was it eight shot win at the British Open and then the Bob yeah. May duel at the PGA. He had the Tiger Slam on the line. It was him, Duval, and Mickelson on the back nine at Augusta with the Tiger Slam on yeah, the line. But that it it does get. I think the thing about Tiger's major wins though is like they're like I mean there's 14 of them and when <laughs> you know and people look people always remember you know you know the, the the biggest ones and obviously the first one of the Masters in '97 like. His wins get kind of lost just because he's got so many of them. You know, yep. like even even just regular tour stops. I mean, he's won seventy nine times. Like it's an absolutely insane number of wins, and you're not you're not going to remember them all. Like everyone's got you know two thousand Canadian Open or the shot at the dark at Firestone, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's it's tough to it's tough to remember all of the ones you know whenever he won at Phoenix or wherever. Like it's just you know it it's just the way it is with him. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think a lot of people, you're in our generation, were a lot younger, obviously, back then, and don't, maybe didn't have as good of a perspective. We were, I mean, we were spoiled growing up watching all those Tiger majors and just oh, yeah. assuming, just assuming that he was going to win and not really understanding the significance of it when it happened. But um, yeah. I got a, ra- a random trivia question for you regarding Tiger's majors. Um, other than Augusta, obviously, can you name the sites where he won multiple majors? I think there's only two. I think there's only two, but I, that's the only two I can think of. But. It's, okay, so it's St. Andrews. Yep. So he won there in, what, 2000 and 2005? You got it. Uh, God, where else did he win? Not Pebble. Nope. You're killing me here. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you'd have known it off the top of your head, it would have sounded way too scripted anyways, so. Well, that's well, that's good because I actually don't know now. So it's Medina. He won ninety nine and two thousand six PGA at Medina. There is no way on hell I was going to answer that. No, I don't. And then, sure enough, he was part of that collapse two years ago. So yeah. Uh, okay, you know. can you tell me who finished second to him at the two thousand six PGA? This is one of my favorite pieces of trivia ever. Two thousand six PGA. That's Sean McKeel. You got it, and McKeel. So Tiger finished at minus 18. McKeel finished minus 13. Phil was in third at minus six. Like if Tiger was out. He was 12 clear of Phil. (laughs) Yeah. If Tiger was out six that week, McKeel would have won his second PGA by seven shots. And maybe he wouldn't have gotten chirped by Dan Jenkins on Twitter on Sunday. Oh, man, that was hilarious. For those who didn't see it, Dan Jenkins tweeted. What was the actual tweet? Do you remember? Yeah, it was, it was something about how Jenkins was going to put together his, like, all-time worst major winner for the four majors. And he put McKeel on the list, and he, I believe he, he spelled it S-H-A-W-N, when it's yep. a U and not a W in his first name. And McKeel happened to see it. And it just went on from there. You can you can look it up. You know. Yeah, McKeel called him an asshole, didn't he? Yes, he did. He, yeah. he called him an asshole, and then he there was some other stuff in there as well. So it's uh, that 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 was a, an interesting little thing on Sunday. That's good. <laughs> uh, all right. So I think we've gone uh, this far. We haven't even mentioned Rory by name yet. Um, <laughs> I, I, I joked about. You know, we were talking about just the, the Tiger perspective. I joked on Twitter about how Tiger, and so Rory's won three events in a row. He won the British Open, Bridgestone, and the PGA. He's halfway to what Tiger did at the end of 2006. Tiger won those three events. 
Then he won three more events. The only thing he lost that fall was, of course, the 06 Ryder Cup team, which even <laughs> Super Tiger couldn't even Super Tiger couldn't save him from. But um, our, yeah. our buddy Adam, I, I'm assuming his last name is pronounced Salen from Three Guys Golf, asked us a question. Um, he said he's not buying the universal love for Rory. And I, I'm not quite sure I understand the question. Uh, I think he's basically saying, you know, it, it seems like everyone likes him, but I'm not quite sure that's the case. And I think maybe he does is not a big fan of not as big of a fan of Rory, but what is your take overall on the way people perceive Rory, the media perceives them, and kind of what his general perception is? Well, I mean, in, in terms of the actual question, I'm, I'm on the same page with you that I'm not entirely sure what 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 Adam's driving at there. But in terms of in terms of the general perception, I mean, he's he's a very he's a very likable guy. He's very engaging. He's good with the media. Um, you know, he's, he's very much like Graham McDowell in that regard. Um, you know his his on course his on course play. I mean, it's it's hard not to be impressed with what you saw the last not e- not even the last few weeks. I mean, if you go back to I believe it was October of last year when he made the trip over to Asia, it's when he actually started to play well. Um, he's been he, he's out, finished outside of the top twenty five in stroke play events like once since October, once or twice. Jeez. It's ridiculous, and you know this th- this whole thing was was coming. I mean, you look at what what happened last year. I mean, that was it's a combination of things, right? I mean, you know the the new clubs. You know, he's going through the relationship then with Wozniacki, all that stuff. You know, it's and you know the other part of it being that you know it's pretty difficult to be consistently amazing at golf. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I the whole thing about. The whole thing about Rory and how this is now the the Rory era, I'm not ready to jump on that just yet. Um, with the only logic being that you know there's so many good players now that yeah. it's it's tough for me to just say you know what Rory's going to do is he's just going to go out there and steamroll guys like Tiger did 15 years ago. It's just not you're not going to steamroll Adam Scott and Henrik Stenson and Tiger yeah. and Sergio yeah, and all these you're not going to do that. The scene is not in 2014 is not what it was in 06. Like there's no Vaughn Taylor and Brett Wetterick, you know, knocking down the door on the on the PGA Tour leaderboards on the weekends. Like, and and, he, and I I I hate I've kind of done it just kind of to show perspective again on why he's not Tiger. But I hate when people do the jump on Ti- like do the jump comparisons to Tiger. Like on Sunday when he lost his what, what do you have a one shot lead going into Sunday? Like yeah. he lost the lead. People were like, I saw people on Twitter saying, you know, Tiger would have never surrendered that lead. Um, it's just like that, you can't, yeah. you can't compare, like you can't do that. And somebody said that too at the British Open. He had a four-shot lead going to Saturday, and he ended up tied at one point Saturday afternoon. And I forget who it was that said, "Say what you want." And Tiger would have stepped on their throats right there, and then, and boom, he was up by six by the end of the day. Like he, it, it's just not a fair comparison. People are going to continue to do it. Um, I, I've just always thought it was interesting, though, how well-liked he was in the U.S. from not being an American. And I think that's kind of what Adam was maybe trying to get at was, you know, maybe maybe it's not, uh, he's not as universally liked as I think he is, but I don't see any reason not to root for the guy. I don't care. I don't seem to care that he's not American. I think he resonates with the American people just because, I, I actually have no idea why he resonates with the American people, but I feel like he's well liked, very well-liked here. I mean, there. Look, he's there. There are reasons not to like somebody like Ian Boulder. 
you know, and, and yeah. there are reasons to not like somebody like Sergio. Um, you know, same, like there's all kinds of them. I mean, there's reasons I just not to like Martin Timer, but I, I, I don't see I don't see what there is from a from a personal standpoint. I mean, look, we don't know these guys inside and out, obviously. Right. But you know, from from the outside looking in, you know, it's tough it's tough for me to find something that you know you can't like about the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just the the whole thing. And you're right, though. I mean, it's not it's not fair to compare him continuously to Tiger. It's not fair to compare anybody to him. You know, it's not fair to compare Tiger now to what Tiger was, you know, ten years ago. Um, it, a lot of that too is, you know, it's a lot of revisionist history too, where it's like, you know, he won, like we said earlier, like he won so much that all of a sudden people are like, well, you know, he used to hit those putts all the time. It's like, well, not not really. You know, yeah. he, he did he did miss putts. In the tournaments he won, he made those putts, but he lost a lot of tournaments. I mean, he lost seventy five percent of the majors even in his prime. Like it. It, there was events where he just did not compete in. Like, you can't... Like the, big, yeah, you, the big thing for me with Tiger was always that, you know, he never... He very rarely hit two bad shots in a row. And what that basically... I mean, he, he, he was always pretty wayward off the... Not always, but for, you know, he's been wayward off the tee when he won tournaments. And you very rarely saw him, you know, go, you know, shooting way right and then, you know, make a six or make a seven. You know, he always minimized the damage to the point where he never really felt like he was out of a tournament. So that, to me, was always his greatest thing, where it's like, you know what, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not win, but you're going to think that I'm still here. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I mean, I I think it's actually the correlation between, you know, his breakup with Wozniacki and the, his success that he's had. I I don't think it's that big of a coincidence. And I think you and I talked about this at some point, but um, and this this comes from I, the information I was fed comes from a very good source inside the ropes, but it's also it comes basically from Team Rory. So it, I could easily see this being spun like a PR spin um, in Rory's favor, but I heard a, a, re, a strong reason behind why they split up was that. Rory was having trouble making time to practice. Whether or not that was he was feeling actual pressure from Caroline not to be practicing, uh, but basically he was not getting the proper amount of practice time in because of their relationship for whatever reason that was. And his advisors and the, the powers that be within his team kind of sat him down and said, "Look, what do you what do you want out of this? Out of, out of life? Out of golf? Out of this relationship?" And he kind of just had had a uh, a, a moment where he realized what he wanted and look at since then, I mean, look how rededicated he's been to his game and look how, look at this hot run. I mean, again, that could all be PR spin. I don't, there's tons of rumors out there about what actually happened to that, but I found yeah, that very I mean, interesting. And if it didn't come from a very trusted source, I wouldn't put much weight into it, but I, I find that very interesting. I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, when, when he won, when he won on the European tour, when he won the, the BMW PGA at Wentworth, that like the the week after he broke it off, or the week of he broke it off, I believe, um, he hates that course. <laughs> he's never played well. He's been on the record as saying he's not a fan of the course. That's and amazing. he went out there, and he and I mean, granted, it took a little bit of unraveling on Sunday by I believe Thomas Bjorn and Shane Lowry, but I mean, he still went out and won the thing. Yep. I mean, like that. The run he's on, I mean, look, he's, he goes on these runs. He went on these runs before the relationship with Wozniak. Yep. Um, and I, the the consistent 
the consistent dominance thing that that Tiger did, I don't think we're going to see that from him just because I just don't no. think he's that type of he's no again no one's him, but yeah. I mean I think I th- I don't think that you're going to see. I think you're still going to see lulls in the game, though. Like it's obvious. I mean, you're never, no one's ever going to keep up the run he's on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's going to miss cuts. He's gonna he's probably going to miss two or three in a row at some point because again, he's he did get a little fortunate here and there in spots the last couple of weeks, and you know, it's it's just the way it is. It's, yeah, it's, it's, nothing, what, it's nothing to freak out about one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's pretty much in agreement that he won this PGA with this kind of his B game. I mean, he got oh, yeah. a couple good breaks on the back nine on Sunday too. I mean. It, it it did not feel over to me on night by any stretch. I mean, I I, I was I, I would not have been surprised if you finished four shots back on on that Sunday. Well, I, I believe I believe I messaged you on Sunday morning when the whole thing was on, in the delay, and I said, you know, I'm not really feeling this for him right now. Yeah. I mean, that's and 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 again, look, he's he's when he's look, he's the best player in the world. I don't think there's anyone who's going to argue that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, he won with basically his 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 B maybe even his B minus game. Like that's. It takes a lot of talent to be able to beat the guys that he beat, you know, Phil and Ricky and whoever else, with that kind of game. So I mean, he he's incredible. I, I just I just you know, I think the the hype train might be just a little too much, just in terms of where we're, well, at least with the people who compare him to Tiger and all that stuff. But I mean, yeah, he's he's incredible. There's no doubt. Yeah, um, I thought, and we're starting to see this. I knew this was going to happen as well. Um, Ricky is kind of going through the phase of he's getting his name on the leaderboard a ton and not winning, and people are treating this as if it's a bad thing. Um, I saw, I think it was Alan Shipnuck say, that he needed to win some Humana, or he calls it the Hope, it's now called Humana. He needed to win some events like that before he's ready to win a major. I don't know, I could not disagree any stronger with that take. Like, I think that's, that's, that's complete garbage. I don't think... There's no such thing as uh, – it's not going to do anything more for him. It's not because of his poor play on the weekends that he's not won these tournaments. Like He's played incredible golf. He's been beaten by eight total people in the four majors this year. How can – I don't understand how anyone could see this as a bad thing. What do you think? Uh, you look, you look, at, look at who he finished in the, the runner-up to in these in these majors. So he, he finished runner-up when Keimer just absolutely – Obliterated the field. Um, you know, he finished what? Tied was T five at the Masters. Um, you know, I mean, he he didn't. He was never really out of it, but he didn't really seem like there was. He was that close that week, but again, still a great finish. Um, and then T two T two behind Rory twice, in which he when like Fowler was incredible. He was he was ridiculously under par both both tournaments. Like I don't, I don't understand what more you really want from the guy. Um, he got he got beat he got beat three times by three incredible performances, um, and I don't see how you can look at that as a bad thing to be honest. Oh, um, and oh yeah, he's twenty five. Like yeah. <laughs> this is a, yeah. still Nicholson knew what a major till he was thirty four. All right, like but, he's got but, all the time in the world. It's funny, right? It's the same thing that people people talk about. Uh, like, look, there was a lot of hype around Sergio this year to win a major. Um, the one thing that I always said about him was like, you know, Jason Duffner is actually three years older than Sergio. Yeah, that's true. And it's like, it's like, okay, look, I understand Sergio's been around forever, but I mean, you look at Jason Duffner winning. Like, Jason Duffner is a late boomer. He wins at thirty-seven at Oak Hill, thirty-six or thirty-seven. And it's like, 
people tend to, you know, they they lose the plot a little bit when it comes to people like when it comes to people like Ricky. So that's kind of happened with Spieth too. I mean, he's not supposed to be out there right now. He's not supposed to be on the tour at all. And when he was in the in contention at the Masters and the players, and he didn't close the deal, then the narrative started again about how he couldn't close. He wasn't ready for that scene, et cetera. And it's like. Would it be better? Would he like? Would he be better off if he was still in college, like he technically should be? But no, he's proving himself out there. It's ridiculously hard to win on the PGA Tour. 156 guys tee it up, and one guy wins. You can't just go, you know, praise the guy in first place and then look right to second place and start picking them apart. I just think it's completely unfair. It's again, it's it's the whole, you know, I'm I'm this this is Tiger's fault, really. Yep. Yeah. Um, he he comes on to the tour and he just he lights everybody up, and you know he's twenty twenty one twenty two running through the best players in the world at the time, and now it's like oh well you know here comes every all every every single young player in the last fifteen sixteen seventeen years has been subjected to the same stuff, you know and it's like you know first it, you know you had guys like Charles Howell and Pat per- well not Pat Perez he's older than him but. Guys like Charles Howell, who are expected to come out and do the same thing, and it's like Charles Howell has had his tour card every year for the last 15 years, and people think he's a joke. Yep. <laughs> like like that. Ty like, Tryon. Oh yeah, good lord. Um, <laughs> Ty Tryon, I'd love to actually. If someone could actually get a hold of him, I'd love to talk to that guy. He's but, with uh, Anthony Kim somewhere. Oh uh, yeah. Well, we can talk about him later too. But guys like Spieth, I mean, he's 20 years old. <laughs> Twenty-one. What, what, what we're expecting out of this kid? I know. I mean, it, it's actually he's actually been very quiet in the second half of the year, which is an, yeah. another horrible sign for Ryder Cup team, which we'll get to here in a second. But real quick, I want to another. I'm gonna put you on the spot again. I'm assuming whatever on the is on the Yahoo page is just PGA Tour earning. But what do you think career salary for Rory McIlroy is at this point in his career? Career earnings on the course. Career on course earnings for for Rory. Whatever is on the Yahoo page, I'm assuming that's just PGA. I don't know if that includes European Tour or not. I would assume it doesn't. Um, good Lord. Probably, I don't know. I'm probably going to say like 17 or $18 million. $34.7 million. Okay, that's ridiculous. I'm blown away by that number. So that's $34.7 million. Okay, so that's that's four. That's good lord. That's four majors, which is accounted for a, a good chunk. But yeah, I mean, he won the money title in 2012. I think he won almost 10 million in 2012. He's getting close this year. Um, what's he got this year? He's made seven million this year. So there's 17 million right there. That I'm, can't I'm, be I'm, just I'm, on the tour. That can't. That's got to be the European tour included. I would have to think so as well. But they don't list they don't list the tournaments the European Tour events in the tournament logs there they only uh, but yeah I, I think you're right but get bacon on that yeah so um, all right let's move on to your favorite subject Ryder Cup team huge news that just came out tonight that Tiger is withdrew himself from the running before Tom Watson didn't pick him anyways uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't treat this as I think it's kind of a funny story I don't I don't treat it as uh, as breaking news story. Did you think he was going to be on the team in any way? You know, I, I've gone back and forth on this more times than, than I would care to admit because I, when I, look, 
a few weeks ago, you know, before sorry, before he before he came back to congressional, I was thinking there's absolutely no chance because we didn't know when he was coming back. Right. Then he comes back to congressional, misses the cut, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, he but then he played he plays great in the opening round of the open. Right? It was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking, okay, you know what, maybe he's going to get some momentum. He's probably not going to win this week, but you know what, maybe he'll figure it all out. Then, you know, he, he, so much has gone on with him in the last few weeks that I, I honestly thought that he was going to be on the team. And, 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 the, re, and the, the main reason why is basically based on what, what Watson said on Monday. You know, he was going through the press conference and, you know, and, he just the, the quotes coming out of that thing made me think that he was going to take him. Because he was like, well, you know, it'd be crazy not to consider taking Tiger Woods. And it just, to me, it's set up for, for him taking him, even though I thought it was a, a crazy idea in the first place. Yeah, see, I thought he was kind of just being political about that, to be honest. Uh, I think if he was going to make the team, it is strictly a reflection of there being no other options. And, and the fact that you know, Phil is 100% in now, and Zach Johnson's in now. Duffner's the last guy out. And I think Keegan's the only lock pick, captain yeah, pick at this point. I agree. I, I have agree. I mean, no the, idea. The other, the other wild card could be Matt Kuchar because, I mean, does it, yeah. he's, he's pulled out the last tournament he played in, too. Um, he pulled out a bridge snow, so – Oh, sorry, the PGA, one of the two. I can't remember. Yeah, but, it was um, PGA, but it's, yeah, it's I mean, easy to forget, though, that the Ryder Cup is like six six or seven weeks away. Like, it's still a ways away, but the back injuries are nothing to mess with. His, his injuries I sound mean, less serious than Duffner's, though. I mean, they the tournament is that far away, but Watson has to have his picks in, I believe, on the second. Right. Now, if someone's injured, I believe you can, you can still replace. Okay. But... Um, so yeah, Keegan Keegan's in. Like I don't think there's any any doubt about that. Yep. Um, he's the only lock. Duffner, I think you can pretty much write off at this point. I mean, the quotes he gave. I believe Ryan Labner had the story on Golf Channel last week. You know, who knows? He he was talking like we might not even ever see him again. Really? Yeah. I didn't he, I didn't see that. He said something. He's like, oh well, you know, if I don't you know if I don't play, I don't play, and you know, he just I don't know when I'm coming back. I'm just oh well. I, I, I think we can pretty much you know. We can we can end any any thought that he'll be there. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely not counting on it, anyways. But I mean, you look at the names. Uh, I think the case for Sneds gets better and better every day. And I think Bacon made a great point about you know them both. You know, Watson and, and Snedeker are both sponsored by RBC. They have a relationship. Snedeker's got experience. You need guys to make putts. Uh, it it adds up to me. I think Sneds is he, he finished what twentieth on the points list. Yeah, I, it's not. It doesn't get me excited, but at least it's a guy that I know has been there before, and I think that matters on international soil. I really do. I, I, you know, I, I go back and forth on that a little bit. I mean, I, I don't. To me, to me, you take you take the most talented guys. Like I, I don't think, and and Snedeker could be that guy. I mean, he's he hasn't done much of anything all year. Um, you know, it's the same thing with. I mean, like. Hunter Mahan, I don't know where the hell he's been, but, you know, he finally actually played, you know, a little better last week at the PGA. And, and you know, again, Keaton's a lock. Snedeker's probably going to get in. Um, it made sense. 
outside of that, I mean, the, the third, now with Tiger definitely out, the third one's a real, like, it could be literally any one of about 10 or 12 guys, and I wouldn't be surprised with any of them. I think I'm going to be surprised no matter what. And, I, I mean, I think, like... Well, he's not taking someone like Matt Every. No, but, you know, who we, we've talked about, and I know uh, Will Gray is on board with this as well. Why not look at Brooks Kepka? <laughs> yeah, your uh, your preview piece and, and, and Kyle's preview piece, too. You both picked Kepka to win this week, or or at least you have him, you have him as one of your picks to, you know, to do well this week. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. It depends on what Watson's thinking. I mean, if he's thinking, you know, let's try to get some some young guys in, and you know, maybe we'll be ready to go in 2016. Then absolutely, I think that's a great idea. But knowing Watson, I don't think he thinks that way. No, I don't. Because I mean, it's not like a it, you don't treat a year's captaincy like a, a general manager building for the future. Like this is Watson's shot to be the captain. You know, he's not going to be the captain in 2016. Like. I agree. No. He's not gonna. He's not just gonna take one for the team, which I don't necessarily think he should. I think they should go try to be as competitive as possible. I don't. I, I'm not saying. I, I. I don't think it's it's gonna make that big of a difference for the 2016. I mean, who knows where Brooks Koepka's team is gonna be in 2016? I mean, just watching the the final round of the of the 2012 Ryder Cup, seeing the names on there that we don't hear from anymore, it's it's incredible. I, I just watched the, uh, a clip of this before we got on this call was. Uh, I saw Duffner close out a match. Saw Dustin Johnson close out a match. I saw Edward or uh, Nicholas Colsarts, Peter Hansen, guys. That, I mean, their games are gone two years from. Uh, Paul, Paul Laurie was on that European team too, I think. Like, was, was he really? I believe he was. Um, are we it, okay? What what about what about Steve Stricker? Because I know he's I know he's going over there as, as an assistant captain allegedly. But I mean, if if Watson wants, if he's looking to win, which he is, like, there's no way that he's that he's thinking, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to try to plan for the future. He, he's trying to win this thing. Yes. You know, he's picking the guys that he thinks are going to give him the best shot, which basically means that Keaton and Snedeker are probably in the third guy. You know, I don't think we can rule Stricker out at all. Um, I would well, I would I would lean more towards someone like Harris English. I know we've talked about this before, like. Even even Gary Woodland, like someone like that, just to go out there and just, you know, Gary Woodland and Harris English, you know, they're 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 potential game breakers if they're on. Yeah, it's just we haven't heard from either one of them in like two months at least. You know, like it, it's it's just there's no one peaking right now for the U.S. There's no up and comer, and if if there was, if there is one, it's somebody like Ricky or Phil who oh, is already qualified. Ryan. Ryan Moore, yeah. I mean, I could, like I said, any pick you make is going to have that exact reaction for me that I just gave you. It's like, yeah, I mean, I can see it. Um, I know Neil, one of our guys, he likes Brian Harmon, but I, I can't, I can't really? quite get fully behind that. Um, he's, they do, uh, Neil and Todd both grew up with uh, with Harmon in Atlanta, so I think there may be a little bit of uh, location bias there. Yeah, slightly biased. Uh, you know, yeah. another guy that I wouldn't think is a horrible idea. I mean, it was funny, right? Webb Web Simpson, ta- apparently he was a guy who's been texting Tom Watson, which the idea of Tom Watson texting is one of the funniest things <laughs> that I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, what Webb Simpson's interesting. I just, whenever I watch Webb Simpson, I just, I just think that a shank is coming. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't get that shank that he he had in the 2012 Ryder Cup out of my head. I mean, it still gives yeah. me nightmares. I mean, it's 
It uh I I haven't have you seen Webb Simpson hit a shot in the last three months? I feel like I when seriously when he came on the broad on that on the replay of the twenty twelve Ryder Cup I was like, Oh yeah, that's what Webb Simpson looks like. This is what he looks like when he's shaking Poulter's hand after he got just got his ass handed to him. Like after a devastating loss. Yeah. I mean Apparently it, it, he's fifteenth in the standings. I don't know I, how that happened. I don't either. He won it he technically won an event this year. He won the uh what won is it, in, what, did, Vegas. Vegas? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that was literally almost a year ago at this point, but it still count. That was the first tournament I guess that he played in of the year. Then he finished seventh in the Gladry and third at the Hyundai. And since then he's got one, two, three, four top top ten. I didn't know he finished third at St. Jude and third at the Greenbrier. I guess that's that's better than I had anticipated, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's not a guy I really want to go to war with over there. Like, I, I, I haven't seen him play. <laughs> yeah. What about, what about Kevin Na? And, no. And, well, for... the relook, the relook, I bring it up for, for, for two reasons. Um, first off, we all know that he's one of the most frustrating players on earth to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like I was, I was reading the, uh, the, the, the book on the 91 Ryder Cup. Um, you know, wore wore the shore there, and and it was it was funny, like you know, um, Bern Gallagher, who was the who was the captain for the European team, said that he desperately wanted to pair Bernard Langer up against Lanny Watkins for this for the explicit reason that Lanny Watkins likes to play pretty much as fast as anybody on the planet. <laughs> he wanted to and he wanted to figure out some way to get Langer against him just to frustrate him. Hmm. And. And the funny thing was, was that on I believe it was Sunday singles, he you know they ended up Langer ended up in the group directly in front of Wadkins, which which I, had the same general effect. I can see already where you're going with this, and I, I'm on board. You just gave the best reason to pick somebody. If anything, the U.S. needs to start playing defense. Like, <laughs> like look, I, I I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago, and I basically just said, look, you know, you take Keaton's frustrating too. You take Keegan and Kevin Na, and you know you pair them. You pair them up with you know, or you can also you could take Ben Crane too, you know, and just you know pair one of them with Fear, compare the other two together. And you can just score some points out of this game. <laughs> just gets to a certain point where the Europeans just concede because it's pitch black out there. They're just they're just that upset, and then you know you pair Bubble with Patrick Reed, and there's just a whole lot of anger going on. Oh God, this really is going to be a massacre. I just I. Every time I start to try to, con- I try to convince myself it's not. It's like the, the number one guy we have right now is Bubba. Like that's our leader. That's the number one point guy we have going. And he's he's gonna, there's going to be an international incident. He's gonna he's gonna hit somebody with a golf club over there. Well, maybe it'll be Ted Scott though. So I mean, maybe that'll well, maybe that'll help. Yeah, well, you know, I, the funny thing is though, but like these guys at this level, like I understand, like the, on paper, this this looks terrible. It really does. Um, but you know what? It's it's at the end of the day, it's match play. It's a crapshoot. Like it really is. Like, but even when the U.S. looks to be the favored team, they suck at match play. Like that's why I can't. I just can't get on board. Well, look, I, I know that it's you know I know that it's not the Ryder Cup. But I mean, look look back at the the WGC this year. None of the number one seeds got out of the second round. All right, Rory mm-hmm. lost to Harris English. Um, you know. Two years ago, Rory and Tiger both went out in the first round. The Shane Lowry and Charles Howell match play. These guys, these guys are all so good. Yeah. That you know, like it's 
in a in over over a full season, or if we're playing stro- if this thing was stroke play somehow, like there was there'd be no chance. But yeah. That, when when you're talking about match play, like how how much of a difference really is there between Jimmy Walker and and Sergio? Hey, yeah, anything can happen. I agree. I, I I just think that the Europeans embrace this event so much better, so much more than the the U.S. the Americans usually do, and I I feel like just the, the format sets up so much better for them, and the fact that we're going over there with guys that haven't been there before and were that are injured or have had down years or have never really succeeded there like Furick. Uh, I mean, the only guy I really have confidence rolling out there right now is, is Ricky Fowler. And if you have a 12 man team and that's, that's only had one guy I'm really confident in, it's just, yeah, I can't, I can't talk myself into it. I've tried. And when, when the event rolls around, I'm going to be face painted red, white, and blue waving them, <laughs> waving the flag. I mean, I'm going to be, Behind the team, a hundred percent. But if you're asking me to pick a winner, it's uh, it's yeah, it's I've made it very clear. We've all we've all made it very clear where we where we stand on that. Yeah. So, um, all right, you ready to move on to a fun question? Sure. All right, I forget who sent this one in. Um, I'm gonna feel bad about this. I'll get that in a second. All right, would you rather be? Would you rather be stuck in an elevator with Bob Watson or Patrick Reed? Good Lord. Um, I don't think this – we did get a question from Buttplug Gonzalez. I don't think that's who sent this question. No. Well, I mean, that this this can't – that, that's one of the best Twitter handles on the planet. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> couldn't believe it. Or the worst, depending on your perspective, I suppose, but – all right, this um, one comes from – it's from Sarah Endicott. There we go. Sorry, I had to find that. So, all right, would you rather be stuck in an elevator with Bubba Watson or Patrick Reed? Well, I mean, is is Ted Stott in the elevator? Because if he is, I don't want to be there with Bubba. <laughs> well, if Ted Scott's in there, then you're safe because he's just well, he's going to he's gonna go for Ted Scott first. Yeah, but it would be awkward as hell. Like, I, like, like – you could just you could turn right to Ted and say, "Look, hey, we're praying for you." Like <laughs> yeah, the the answer is Patrick Reed, and it's it's really not even close because I, I don't I don't mind Patrick Reed, and I mean, look, he's very very high in himself clearly, but I mean, like you can't tell me that after what we saw at, at, at Valhalla that you would want to go anywhere with Bubba Watson where you didn't have a rifle, like. <laughs> Like you can't like, and look, like it's just I. A rifle is obviously a little strong, but I I I I don't. You can't go anywhere with that guy. Like you just can't. I I think for me it would be, I would rather be in there with Bubba because I would honestly confront him. I really would. I mean, yeah, we we've <laughs> we've made our like we've made it very clear where we stand on Bubba. But I would honestly, if I had the chance to sit down with Bubba, I would say these things to his face. That, I just think he's a fraud and just a douchebag in general, and that he doesn't—he doesn't. His actions don't match his words at all. And I honestly think Bubba would own it completely if I said that to him. I think he would—he would not disagree with me at all. But like, I would. What would I talk to Patrick Reed about? Like, I don't even know. I don't know anything about the guy. No one really does. I, I, mean, I don't know anything about him either. I, he wears like, red on Sundays, apparently. And Fridays now. And Fridays. Yeah, um, he once made some comments that he thought he was one of the top five players in the world. That's it. That's all we're going off of there. I don't think there's 
nearly how, enough there to really hate him. How long do you have to wait in the elevator? That's the, that's the, that's the question. Because, we don't know. You're stuck in there. Because, because if it's more than five minutes, I don't think I can last with either one of them. Uh, yeah, that's that's the conundrum of the question. I mean, I, I don't think I can keep a conversation going with me and Patrick Reed for more than five minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I I couldn't stand to be in with either one of them. I wouldn't think. But that's what makes it such a good question. But uh, the, I couldn't the, spend five sh- minutes in an elevator with anyone like Matt Kuchar or Jim Furyk either. Well, uh, Kuchar I've actually heard is like absolutely hilarious. I, a buddy of mine, Caddy's at Nearfield Village, and he was in his group uh, during the pro am. And I was like, he, he, I was like, hey, how's, what's Kuchar like? He's like, he's the funniest guy I've ever been around. The Kuchar was absolutely hilarious. He was, like, jokingly being the most cocky person on the planet. Like, he was basically acting like Patrick Reed the whole time. Like, he would hit a hit a wedge shot to eight feet, and somebody would be like, oh, nice shot, Matt. He's like, nice shot? Like, that was incredible. Did you not see that shot? Like, he would just <laughs> mess with the entire group. He said he was completely shocked. Like, Kuchar is absolutely hysterical, really dry, witty humor, like foul mouth even. Like, I wasn't anticipating that reaction at all. Uh, it's it's funny. Um, Justin Bourne, one of the guys, one of the hockey writers I work with at the, at the score, I believe he once he once called him the definition of the human fanny pack. <laughs> that's the, that's, that you know, you're not beating that. You're not beating that. No. That's the best. That, we're ending on that note right there. The human <laughs> fanny pack, Matt Kuchar. That's the best we can do. <laughs> so all right, man. Sorry it took so long to get you on, but I'm glad we hey, finally got no to do this. Glad it can put a at least a voice to the name. I know you, you and I've been uh, talking and uh, hanging out. <laughs> some dude, you're basically some dude I met online so far. So, so, um, so it's a little, it's a little creepy. At least it wasn't on Tinder. So that's, that's true. <laughs> or grind, or grinder. Yeah, but yeah, I, we, whenever uh, you and I have an outstanding bet, whoever wins a major first, we have Jordan Spieth, you have Hideki Matsuyama. The losers got to buy the round of golf. Um, so you were sweating it out there a little bit at the Masters, but uh, a little bit, we're, yeah. We're safe for another year, but um, <laughs> so thanks again for this is Adam Sarson from AdamSarson.com. You got to follow him on Twitter at Adam underscore Sarson. Um, you probably are seeing us tweet at him pretty much on a daily basis anyway, so I don't know why you're not following. Him, but uh, <laughs> thanks again for coming on, man. No problem. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good.